Get your gear ready. This is a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. Welcome to a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, a podcast dedicated to guiding you along your innovation expedition. This is Jay Gerhardt and Ben Tingey recording from our home studios, aka our closets. <laughs> and uh, given the recording environment, we would uh, humbly ask your pardon on any exterior noises, uh, particularly in my house. There could be screaming boys or things getting thrown around. <laughs> but uh, we're delighted to continue our podcast. And uh, even though it's from this remote location, given the situation with COVID-19, as many of you are also dealing with as well. Um, but wanted to take a minute and, and talk a little about what it's been like working from home before we dive into a few things that we've learned or ideas that we've come across that have been really compelling, particularly given this environment with COVID-19. So Jay, how has it been for you working from home these last, uh, I guess it's been a week or so? Well, it's been different. Um, you know, I've I work from home from time to time, and actually a few weeks ago, I had either the flu or something like it, or at least I hope it was the flu, and I was working at home a lot, so I was getting a little bit used to being at home alone, as my wife was actually working in the office last week with the thought that they would be one week on, one week off, but they've uh, recently made the decision they'll they'll pretty much be off. She has to go into the office maybe a day every two weeks to two weeks to pick up mail. So she's home. So, you know, we don't have any kids, so we don't have nearly the challenge that you have. If there's <laughs> screaming or, you know, loud noises, then I'm going to go need to check on my wife. So we, we shouldn't <laughs> have that. We're mostly wrestling with what areas we each have so so we can each have our calls and and that sort of thing and be sensitive to the quiet we each need. We're working that out, but uh, you know, I've got the home office set up. I'm here sitting in the dark in my closet because the fluorescent light above me has a buzzing noise. We don't want the listeners to hear. <laughs> and we do ask for forgiveness. Uh, we think the sound quality of this will be good, but we're not in our studio. We made the decision that uh, really with our work at home policy, it makes sense to not go in at all, not bring anything into our offices, anything contacting surfaces. So until we feel like we can go back. We will just do this over Zoom and do the best we can with it. You've got four active boys running around. Do you, uh, any, and we probably have a lot of listeners that are juggling kids and work and uh, all that sort of thing. Do you have any tips or funny stories to share? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that if you heard screaming from from your wife, that might be cause to go investigate when I hear screaming I just try to tune it out <laughs> business as usual yeah. um, so uh, not really any particularly great stories I mean there have been a couple of times where I was on a phone call and one of my sons will he'll you know push a piece of paper under the door and then two seconds later push another one under the door <laughs> and then a toy or a car and uh so I'm getting these little treasures. Uh, I did. Uh, I mean, I do have you know pens and sticky notes and things on my table here in the in the closet. And 
the boys like to use this spot for some of their quote art projects. And uh-huh. so sometimes I'll come back and my pens are gone and all of my sticky notes have been used and little doodles and drawings all over. But uh, um, it's been really fun. One thing that has surprised me, and I wasn't expecting this, I, I expected that work-life balance would be easier working from home, but it actually hasn't. It's, uh, uh, I mean, I, I get up and have breakfast and, and then just go right to work. And before I know it, I'll have just sat in this chair almost motionless for like three hours. And then, I'll, <laughs> oh my gosh, I got to stand up and walk around. My legs have fallen asleep or something. And, and But you just kind of go and you lose track. And then sometimes at night, it's easy to get sucked back in. I mean, you have your laptop right there. And uh, so I, I probably worked a lot more last week than I thought I was going to. I mean, there's plenty to do, obviously, with COVID-19 and, and, on, and the response that's needed. But yeah, I, for some reason, I thought it'd be easier to step away, but I'm actually finding that it's a little bit harder. Yeah. And you do have to get up, move around. I think I was pretty conscious of that uh, last week when I was home alone and I pretty much had the whole house to myself. So I could, I could walk around, I could, you know, do a conference call, have the AirPods on and walk everywhere, you know, where I was in range, uh, get outside. I did, I did have one funny story, I guess. And you were on this call when we were having a team call, uh, last Thursday to discuss our catalyst program. I, I'm like, this is a beautiful day. I'm going to sit out on my back porch, which I don't spend a lot of time doing these days. I don't seem to go outside very much. I'm like, wow, I'm going to take this opportunity to do this call outside, go outside. I close the door. I hear the click. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> locked the door behind me. <laughs> Didi wasn't here. It was like two o'clock. I could not call her <laughs> to bring me a key and let me in. So thankfully my wonderful father-in-law is 10 minutes down the road and he's like, Oh yeah. And he's like probably dying to get out of the house. So <laughs> he rescues me and no problem. So yeah. I guess that was my one story. Uh, if you're going to lock yourself out of the house, have your father-in-law around. Yeah, close by. Well, a couple of tips for our listeners that I would add is make sure that you're taking care of your ergonomics, your posture and all that stuff. I, I, ha- I had to find a box to prop up my laptop so that I wasn't straining my neck and having it, you know, looking down at my laptop all week. Um, and make sure you get up and get around and, and not eat too much. You don't want to gain the COVID-19 uh, after all this is over, we all come out like we've been in hibernation. <laughs> we've gained 19 pounds. But that's that's probably more a tip for me because I'm hungry all the time and I'm having to teach myself that uh, just because the pantry is you know just a few steps away doesn't mean I can just eat all day long and then sit here in this. In this you chair. do need to conserve and control yourself. <laughs> that's right. Well, Jay, let, let's dig into some of the things that we've learned. Obviously, it's a very tragic situation. The world is seeing a lot of things come to a grinding halt. Obviously, there are many families dealing with the loss of loved ones and healthcare workers who are heroic every day, I think in a lot of ways are finally getting their due uh, respect. And and it's amazing to see the resiliency and the work ethic of, of our healthcare workers. And, and that's wonderful to see. And, and there are certainly a lot of predictions about how this is going to affect the economy and, and all kinds of things long-term. But 
we came across this article last week in Politico about how coronavirus will change the world permanently. And, and what this article did was surveyed thinkers across government, healthcare, technology, lifestyle, and, and they all gave their opinions about why and how the world is going to change permanently because of this worldwide pandemic experience. Jay, we're there were some things, I mean, you sent me the article and, and I read it. I think it was awesome. We can provide links in the show notes, but what were some of the things that stood out to you from the article? Yeah, there was really several things. Uh, one of which is there's regulatory barriers just falling rapidly. Uh, areas uh, such as healthcare and telemedicine and education. So whereas we talk about a lot of these online tools and online disruption all of a sudden, some of these things are, are falling down and necessity is the mother of invention sometimes. And some of these things are necessary now and things are changing very rapidly in the area of telemedicine. And, you know, a lot of these things are going to endure. And, you know, instead of people asking in the future, can we do this online? The question's going to flip to why do we need to do this in person? And the <laughs> question is what the the new new normal is so uh, that's that's one of the things that strikes me uh, another point one of the the thinkers noted was uh, having a healthier digital lifestyle uh, you know there's a lot of things uh, in social media that can potentially not be as healthy a lot of conflict can spend way too much time on social media but we're starting to see Things like the videos from Italy, we're seeing Yo-Yo Ma playing a song each day. Uh, there's another, I think, an opera performer that's asked um, high school performers who have had performances canceled, post a video of your song for me. I'll listen to it. And uh, we're going to see a lot of that uh, over the next few weeks. And that's a positive thing. And again, some of that stuff is just going to endure beyond this this initial wave that we expect and become a little bit more normal part of our lifestyle. Yeah. What What are some of the things that stuck out to you? Yeah, well, I, I certainly hope some of the changes regarding telemedicine and Dior, and, and we saw some announcements that uh, Vice President Pence and Secretary Verma uh, talking about reimbursement for telemedicine visits across the board relaxing a few HIPAA standards to make it a little bit easier and allow for some flexibility given sort of the urgent situation going on right now. And I even saw that they were hinting at some possible changes to physician licensing so that they can provide care across state lines. I thought that was interesting. But to me, the inflection point of the coronavirus has, I, I think it's it's the burning platform that as a healthcare industry, we have needed to increase adoption of virtual care. Uh, Rock Health and, and others, and I, I maybe Rock Health quoting the study, but they've tracked consumer adoption of virtual care. And for the longest time, it was a paltry 10% or less of people that had ever used any type of virtual healthcare services. Uh, but I mean, we're getting reports all over the place of five, six times the usual amount of, of telemedicine uh, visits and 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 care that is usually being received and and so I think you talked about lowering barriers. I think some of these uh, policy changes are lowering big time barriers, which I think is going to increase consumer adoption, which is going to increase 
the the industry's adoption of these tools and hopefully move much more towards a, a digital first healthcare experience. Something else that stood out to me, one of the people that the article polled was Professor Eric Kleinenberg. He's he's become someone that I've been following a lot lately. He wrote a wonderful book called Palaces for the People, which I referenced in the interview with um, Seth Irvin of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, talking about the value of social infrastructure and things like libraries and churches and parks and you know all of those things, barbershops, places where there's community. And it's amazing when we can't access those things, how much we now appreciate them and, and realize what a, what a benefit and what a blessing they are in our lives. And, and so just the, the value, I think, going forward that as a society we're going to place on social infrastructure and those opportunities for real human connection, I, I hope just increases after, after this is uh, over. Yeah, in a, a recent episode we had with Seth Irvin, uh, Chief Innovation Officer of our Charlotte Mecklenburg Library System, talked a lot about the library and the role it plays in society, particularly for people that don't have a home to go to or places that they can access the Internet. That's closed now, and yeah, uh, these people don't have access to that, and it's uh, that's a very challenging situation that we hope uh, will not be too long, but uh, no, I, I agree. It'll we'll have a greater appreciation. I think when the doors open, people are going to be flocking to these places. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. We're also seeing how quickly innovation can occur <coughs> with all of this. the The struggling moment is the seed of all innovation, as as Bob Mesta says, and of course, there is a pretty big struggling moment that we're all experiencing right now uh, with coronavirus. And there's this notion of constraints that it's easier to innovate when there are constraints. And so a major constraint is people having to stay home or or be quarantined or other types of rules and regulations now in place to keep people healthy. That introduces a constraint that actually liberates innovation. And we're seeing all kinds of things. Jay, what are some of the top innovation occurrences that, that you've seen that have sprung out of this context? I think we're going to see a lot in healthcare, but one thing that stuck out to me is really the entertainment industry, the theater industry. And obviously a lot of theaters are closing and our, our improv company here at uh, Charlotte Comedy Theater, we're, we're down for at least a couple of weeks or so. Our team is not practicing so that we can practice social distancing. But my wife saw on CBS Sunday morning this weekend, the story of the magnet theater in New York City. And it's fascinating. Uh, they're a, a small improv company and they, they had to shut down. And, you know, improv companies, these are, they, these are places that don't sell tickets for $150. They're selling tickets for 10, 12 bucks. Uh, this is not something where you go make a lot of money in it, but it's, it's closed down and they very quickly spun up a virtual product, which if you've been to improv, it's not easy to improv virtually over Zoom. But last night, Didi and I watched a show. It was an hour long show and they had, uh, it was just a two person show and they had someone in the audience. They did it through Twitch, which was really interesting. I've never been on Twitch before. It's a very social interactive uh, channel for this. 
and they asked for a one word suggestion and someone, you know, to give them a situation. And they said a blockbuster video. They very quickly put, you know, they, they had each of them side by side in Zoom and they put a blockbuster store behind them on screen and they did a 55 minute two character long form based on that. And it was brilliant. It was <laughs> absolutely brilliant and so creative. And they're going to have more shows on there. You know, I encourage you to check them out. And it makes me wonder some of these live things that they do. You know, the Magnet Theater, for example, I don't know what the capacity of their theater is. It could be 50. It could be 100. Well, they have probably nearly infinite capacity, you know, unless Zoom or what or Twitch or something has some sort of capacity limitation. But who knows? What if they sell a heck of a lot more tickets virtually than they do live? So, what's their business model going to be after all this? I, so, I just use that as an example. And you think about movies and other entertainment venues that take this constraint, and all of a sudden, it could present opportunity. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah. You see Disney Plus just moving movies right to streaming instead yeah. of going. I mean, there lots of people are adapting, but I think it, it may create expectations in the future that Disney may not want to adhere to. But um, oh, I know yeah. we have this convention of, you know, a movie gets made, it gets produced, and it goes in the theater. And then it's three months, six months until you can actually watch it at home. And at some point, People are going to be like, well, why do I need why? to wait? And, and yeah, that, that hurts the physical movie, you know, the, the theater part of the business. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Although I think there's always a market to go out and see a movie. Yeah, oh, there, yeah. there is going to be an appreciation for having a physical experience. Yeah. One thing that has stood out to me is the innovation occurring in, I guess, in almost a philanthropic or, or charitable way. We've seen lots of examples of people in other industries who are stopping what they're doing in order to provide help and support to the healthcare industry. Yep. There is, there've been some really neat articles about these different companies who, uh, and actually it really started with a couple of guys in Italy who were some, I think they were like engineering students, but they had heard that the hospital was having a severe supply shortage of the face shields and, and respirator valves and other things. And so they 3d printed a, a bunch of stuff and sent it over to the hospital and, and it worked for, for what they needed. And you see all this stuff on social media of people sewing face, face masks. And uh, we just got a report this morning about a local manufacturing company that is basically turning on a dime and stop yep. stopping manufacturing what they usually do. And now they're going to be manufacturing the N95 masks. And so yeah, really amazing to see this, this uh, show of support for the healthcare industry. Yeah. I mean, that's right here in Gastonia, Parkdale Mills. They've indicated they may ramp up over the course of the next few weeks to 10 million masks a week. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. The 3d printing that's, that's close to home as well. I saw a report this morning, Charlotte Latin school. Uh, there's, there's a class they've got a GoFundMe. I think they've raised 30 or $50,000 and they are 3d printing 
face shield. So we've got students hmm. doing this. It's it's amazing. It this is and I, this whole conversation we we're trying to keep it real positive and light. We don't want to undersell the fact that there's a lot of struggle going on, but it's just uh, incredible to see and point out the the incredible innovation that we're going to see. And this is, we're just like a week or so into this. Can you imagine what we're going to yeah. see over the next four or five, six weeks? Yeah. And as you, as you said before, necessity is the mother of invention. And when there's now so much demand on the healthcare industry, it's interesting to see how different companies are dealing with it. So yeah. this morning, CVS Health announced that they're hiring 50,000 new employees. I mean, that's nearly yeah. as many employees as Atrium Health has because there's so much demand. They, they need more store associates. They need home delivery drivers, distribution center employees. I mean, they need to get out medications and, and all kinds of things for people in, in need. And uh, it's really neat. They're prioritizing some of the people that have been furloughed from other companies, like some of the hospitality companies, like the hotels. Uh, and 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 trying to bring them into CVS Health because they're currently out of work, and so they're using virtual job fairs and virtual interviews and different types of tech-enabled job tryouts and stuff to to find the right people. And and I mean that's a massive undertaking to to uh, yeah. recruit that that number of people. And we're obviously seeing locally a huge surge in demand in in virtual health services as well. Yeah, and at Atrium Health, there's been a lot of scrambling and a lot happened just over the last few days. And we were talking about it in, in our innovation engine huddle to, uh, this morning. Uh, but we've seen uh, our chief physician officer, uh, Dr. Scott Rissmiller on Fox News talking about a new kind of virtual hospital we're setting up where uh, remote monitoring supplies and kits can be brought out directly to people so that they can, at least if they're well enough, stay in place and be monitored before that point that they would would need to go to an ICU. So then the question is, well, how do you get these kits together? So we've been scrambling, getting suppliers, and we had over the weekend uh, several folks from our team going putting these kits together, got folks uh, doing that again this afternoon. So, you know, there's a scramble, but when you've got smart and passionate people and you mobilize them, it's, we're going to see some amazing things get done and, and we're going to see it. Uh, I see it on Twitter, med Twitter right now. Um, physicians and other folks seeing the level of creativity and what's going on and a platform like Twitter helps people share as well. Um, I think actually we're going to see, and I've heard other podcasts talk about this, is people are going to see what Twitter can do in terms of communication in a real positive way. Hmm. Obviously, it can be negative. You know, when people have ideas and they're sharing, getting the word out there, it, it, it can be a positive force. Yeah. Well, Jay, I wanted to ask you, and maybe this is one of the things we could end on, is one of the things that we learn with jobs to be done theory is that context creates meaning. And would you say that given the pandemic, there is a different context and therefore different jobs to be done to access virtual health? Do you think there's anything that has maybe changed? Well, I think we're all in a very different context than we've ever been in before. Most, if not all of us, haven't experienced anything like this. So 
the context is absolutely different, having to stay at home, having to be at home. And then also the progress that you're trying to make. There's an aspect of this that's it's very different because the, you know, the progress isn't just about you. It's not just about me being healthy or a younger person being healthy. It's about staying healthy, but being able to take care of other people and not being able to expose them. And I think about that a lot because, you know, I could go to a store, um, I, I can go out and do certain things. And if I get the virus, um, I mean, I do have some risk factors, but should be able to be okay. Uh, but I got to think about my wife who then has to think about her parents. So you're, you're thinking about the people that are close to you. So the, the progress, um, it, yeah, it's something that, that, it, that you, you always have, but it's, it's kind of amplified now. Yeah. The, the social, aspect of the job to be done and the progress that you're making gets expanded in a, in a very different way. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's, that's really the biggest change. Fascinating. Well, Jay, thanks so much for this conversation, for figuring out a way to record from our closets over zoom. We appreciate zoom and, and everything also that they're doing in the education field right now. I know that they've opened things up for, teachers and students to be able to do video calls and and things free of charge. I think that's awesome. One thing that I may end with, Jay, is uh, something that Todd Dunn mentioned to me the other day. Uh, So Todd is our new VP innovator in residence here at Atrium Health. We're super excited to have him on board. He was talking about how so often we think of the currency of of a nation's wealth is, is money, but he says, hasn't COVID-19 made it so clear that it's really health and that without health, the flow of currency means nothing and that there could be, you know, the stock market could be doing so well. And then you keep people at home and, you know, they, they can't be out doing things because the health of our country is at risk and how quickly things start to tumble. And so really that, that underlying foundation of health is so critical. Yeah, and we we often take it for granted and we take we take being able to leave our homes and go to the grocery store and uh, to be able to do things and get things when we need them. We we take that for granted and that context is has changed now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again Jay. Our prayers and best wishes and good vibes to all of those people who have been affected, their families, to our healthcare workers and to all those that are putting their lives at risk to serve the community and and to help people get better. So it's great to see the world coming together in, in many ways and seeing innovation happen. And hopefully there are some things that change permanently from this experience. Yeah. And and also a heads up to the listeners, we're, we're working on lining up guests. We want to keep getting great episodes out there to you that are, that are not COVID-related. We, we may uh, revisit it from time to time, but uh, stay tuned. We, we think we have some exciting stuff coming up. Yep. Well, thanks so much, Jay. And this is Ben Tingey with the Sherpa's Guide to Innovation podcast. Thanks so much for listening.
honestly, I mean, the the garage door in, in our house is going up and down and kids are screaming outside riding their bikes and there could be an interruption at some point, which I actually think would be kind of fun podcast fodder given this topic. Not always, but yeah. um, given this one, 